Chapter 10 You know, I hate to sound like the only sensible person, so to speak, Tobias said. But you aren't here to fight sharks. He's right, I agreed. Dolphins don't attack sharks unless the sharks attack first. Wait, I'm getting more echoes, Rachel interrupted. There's more than one shark, and there's something bigger, too. I reached out with my echolocation sense and felt the sea ahead of me. You're right, I said. Several sharks, and a great one. A what? Tobias asked. I was confused. What did I mean? The words great one had just popped into my mind. I mean there's a whale. A whale, being attacked by the sharks. A great one being attacked? Marco asked. He sounded upset. It was strange because we were all upset. More than we should have been. You guys do what you want, Rachel said. I'm going in. Oh, there's a big surprise, Tobias said with weary affection. The four of us lanced forward, faster than ever, toward the whale in distress. I see them, Tobias reported from the sky above. Straight ahead of you. Looks like four, maybe five sharks, and a big, really, really big whale. Did I mention big? Wow, big. We were streaming through the water when I caught sight of my first shark. He was bigger than me, maybe 12 feet long, with faint vertical stripes. He was too excited by the hunt to notice me, until it was too late. With every bit of speed and power I could get from my tail, I rammed the tiger shark in his gill slits. Whoomp! It was like hitting a brick wall. My beak is strong, but the shark was made of steel or something. I fell back, dazed, but as I tried to collect myself, I saw a trail of blood was billowing from the shark's gills. I swam beneath him, and then I saw the huge shape of the whale. He was a humpback, more than 40 feet long. Each of his long, barnacle-encrusted flukes was bigger than me. He was trying to surface to breathe, but sharks were attacking, tearing at the soft, vulnerable flesh of his mouth. It made me angry. Very angry. Suddenly, from the murky depths, Jake and Rachel zoomed upward, like missiles aimed at the sharks. Whoomp! Rachel hit our target. Jake's shark twisted just in time. Jake scraped across the shark's sandpaper skin, and before he could get clear, the shark was after him. Jake! He's on your tail! I got him! Look out! Coming on your left, Marco! They were as fast as we were, as maneuverable as we were, and the sharks had one terrifying advantage. They did not know fear. He's on me! He's on me! Ah! Marco! I can't see! Where is he? Cassie, below you! Look out! Look out! It was no longer a game. I had gone rushing into a fight, full of confidence and determined to help the whale. But now I was in a war. The sharks were killing machines. They seemed to be nothing but armored skin and razor-sharp fins and wide jaws with row after row of serrated teeth. The water was boiling with twisting, turning, speeding sharks and us dolphins, locked in a high-speed battle to the death. 
It suddenly occurred to me that we might lose. We might be killed. I might be killed. The water was dark with blood, still billowing from the shark I had hammered. Suddenly, two of the sharks turned away. They just turned and swam away. At first I didn't know why. Then I saw they were following the shark I had wounded. They were following the trail of blood. They were at the limits of my sight when they struck. They ripped into the injured shark with wild, uncontrolled fury. The last shark turned from the battle and went after them. Robbed of his meal of whale meat, he would feast on his brother instead. Everyone okay? Jake asks. I have some cuts, but I'm okay, I said. Same here, Rachel said. She sounded tired. I guess I did too. I felt exhausted and drained. The fight had probably only lasted two minutes from beginning to end, but it had been a long two minutes. Marco? I... I think I'm hurt, he said. I looked for him. He was drifting in the water, almost motionless, twenty yards away. We all swam over, crowded around him. Then I saw the wound. I think I would have screamed, if I could have. His tail had almost been bitten off. It was hanging by a few jagged threads. It was useless. We were miles out in the ocean, and Marco could not hope to swim back. Chapter 11 He's going to die if we don't do something, Rachel cried. Cassie? Jake asked. What do we do? I... I don't know. Cassie, you're the closest thing we have to an animal expert, Jake said urgently. But I wasn't feeling at all like an expert. I was feeling like a fool. This was all my fault. It had been my decision to go ahead. I was the one. Ah! Marco groaned. Oh man, that's a major ouchie. Ah! Ah! What's happening? Tobias called down. Marco sounds hurt. He is. Jake answered tersely. Oh man, I don't want to die in some fish. Marco cried. I don't want to die out here. My mom drowned. I'm going to die like she did. My dad. Morph! I yelled. I think I know what to do. Morph back to human. If he morphs back to human, he'll just drown. Rachel argued. No, Morphin uses DNA, right? The basic pattern of the animal. Marco morphs back to human. I don't think the injury will affect him, because it doesn't affect his human DNA. Then, as soon as he can, he morphs back to dolphin. The dolphin body was injured, but the dolphin DNA should be the same. He should be a healthy, normal dolphin again. What if you're wrong? Rachel said bluntly. There's no other choice, Jake said. Marco, you have to morph back to human. It will keep you from drowning. Jake, buddy, you know I can't swim. I know, Marco, but we'll take care of you. Okay, yeah, okay. Might as well die in my own body. Ah, ah, maybe it won't hurt so much. Maybe. He was drifting off. He's losing blood. I said. He may pass out. Marco, morph, now. We had formed a circle around him, the three of us, with Tobias drifting overhead and the big humpback resting alongside. Then Marco began to change. Arms sprouted from his flippers. 
his face flattened down, with his wide, grinning dolphin mouth shortening to form Marco's own lips. His skin turned pink, and his morphing suit appeared. His shattered, injured tail split in two. Legs formed from the halves. Toes appeared. Human toes. At the end of human legs. He did it! Yeah, I did it, and now I'm drowning! Here, I said, swimming beside him. Grab onto me. He wrapped his arms around my back, and I helped him up to the air. Then I noticed something strange. It was like the ocean floor was rising to meet me. No, it was the humpback. He had dived beneath us and was rising slowly, slowly to the surface. Look out, the whale! Rachel yelled. But at that moment, the most incredible part of an incredible day happened. My mind, human, dolphin, both minds, opened up like a flower opening to the sun. And a silent but somehow huge voice filled my head. It spoke no words. It simply filled every corner of my mind with a simple emotion. Gratitude. The whale was telling me that it was grateful. We had saved it. Now it would save our schoolmate. Back away, I told Rachel and Jake. It's okay. Yeah, Rachel agreed, sounding amazed. I hear it too, or feel it, or whatever. The humpback rose beneath the sputtering Marco. The broad, leathery back lifted him up, and when I looked again, I saw Marco sitting nervously on what could have been a small island, high and dry above the choppy waves. Tobias fluttered down and rested beside him. The whale called me to him. Listen, little one, he commanded, in a silent voice that seemed to fill the universe. I listened. I listened to his wordless voice in my head. I felt like it went on forever. Chapter 12 Tobias said later it was only ten minutes. For during that ten minutes, I was lost to the world. I was being shown a small part of the whale's thoughts. He had lived eighty migrations. He had many mates, many mothers, who had died in their turn. His children traveled the oceans of the world. He had survived many battles, traveled to the far southern ice and the far northern ice. He remembered the days when men hunted his kind from ships that belched smoke. He remembered the songs of the many fathers who had gone before, as others would remember his song. But in all he had seen and all he had known, he had never seen one of the little ones become a human. Marco, I realized. He means Marco. And the little ones? Is that what whales call dolphins? We are not truly little ones. No, you are something new to the sea, but not the only new thing. I wasn't sure what he was telling me. He spoke only in feelings, in a sort of poetry of emotion without words. Part of it was in song. Part of it I could only sense the same way I could sense echolocation. Something new? He showed me a picture, a memory. It was a broad, grassy plain with trees and a small stream, all of it underwater. And across the grass ran an animal that was part deer, part scorpion, part almost human. Where is it? I asked him in a language of squeaks and clicks and mind-to-mind -mind feeling. And he told me. Suddenly, I woke up. 
That's how it felt, anyway. The whale released me. It was like coming out of a dream. Are you okay? Jake asked. You were starting to worry us, but we had this feeling maybe the whale didn't want us to interfere. I'm fine, I said. I'm beyond fine. Mark was ready to try remorphing, Jake reported. Uh-huh, I said, still lost in images from a mind larger and older and so utterly strange. Guys, you have about 25 minutes, Tobias reported, and it's a long way back to the shore. I heard Marco say something, but he was speaking normally now, not in thought speak, so it was hard for me to make it out with my ears under the water. I stuck my head up and saw him begin to resume his dolphin shape. Halfway through, he slipped off the side of the whale and back into the water. His fins formed, his beak, and his tail, perfect and healthy and undamaged. We headed for the shore, tired but alive. I felt strange leaving the whale, but when we were a mile away, I heard his song, slow, mournful, haunting notes. Why didn't he sing more when we were with him? Jake wondered. I smiled inwardly, and of course, since I was a dolphin at the moment, I smiled outwardly too. He doesn't sing for the little ones, I explained. He sings for the mothers. What? Marco asked. He sings for a mate. Ah, cruising for chicks. Got it. I wonder if the big old guy even realizes he helped save my life. Marco, that big old guy realizes things you and I will never even be able to guess. Chapter 13 The next day, I went to see Marco at his home. He and his dad live in a garden apartment complex, one of the older ones on the far side of the big neighborhood where Jake and Rachel both live. I'd only ever been there a couple of times. I think Marco is kind of embarrassed because he doesn't have much money. He used to live in a house just down the street from Jake, but that was when his mother was still alive, and before his father had a breakdown and quit his job. I knocked on the door. From inside I heard Marco's voice. Dad, there's someone at the door. Put on your bathrobe, okay? There was a delay, and then the door opened. Marco looked annoyed. Cassie, what are you doing here? I wanted to talk to you. To me? What about? About yesterday, I said. He hesitated. Look, I'm spending the day with my dad, okay? We're thinking maybe we'll, you know, do something together. That's good, I said. Over Marco's shoulder, I could see his father. He was wearing a bathrobe and sitting on the couch. He was staring at the TV. That was normal for any dad, I guess, on a weekend morning but I had the feeling that Marco's dad was always sitting right there in front of the TV. Look, Marco, I just want to talk for a minute. Can I come in? No, no, he said hastily. He stepped outside onto the concrete breezeway. Down below us was a swimming pool. It was drained and closed. Leaves covered the bottom. Marco, I wanted to talk to you about yesterday. What about it? You could have been killed. It would have been my fault. This whole mission was my idea. Jake asked me if we should do it, and I said yes. Marco rolled his eyes. That's it? Look, it wasn't your fault. 
It's this whole thing we're doing. This whole Animorph thing. I mean, it's been dangerous right from the start. It's insanely dangerous. What else is new? I shrugged. What's new, I guess, is that the other times it's always been someone else's idea. Oh, I get it. You don't like the responsibility? I winced. Was that it? Was I afraid of taking responsibility? I don't want to get my friends killed. And let me assure you, your friends don't want to get killed either, Marco said with a laugh. I am completely opposed to getting killed. He grew serious, even sad. But you know what? Sometimes bad things happen. That's the way it is. I leaned against the rail, looking down at the dismal empty pool. I see things die all the time, I said. Animals, I mean. Sometimes you can't save them. Sometimes we even have to put them down, and they're suffering. But my dad makes those decisions, not me. He's the vet. I'm just his assistant. Look, here I am, alive and well, Marco said, tapping his chest. Get over it. I didn't have to go. It was my choice. Were you scared? For a while, he didn't answer. He just came over and leaned on the railing beside me. I'm scared all the time now, Cassie, he said at last. I'm scared to fight the Yerks, and I'm scared of what will happen if I don't. I look at Tobias, and what happened to him scares me to death. What if I get stuck in a morph someday? And most of all, I'm scared of... of him. I didn't need to ask Marco who he meant by him. Visser 3. That first time in the construction site when he killed... When, when he murdered the Andalite. Marco made a twisted smile. I see that in my head every day. And the Yurk pool. He shook his head. That's something I'd like to forget, too. Yes, I agreed. There's been a lot of fear. So was I afraid yesterday? Bet on it. I was scared plenty. It was like, man... It's not bad enough we have to fight Hork-Bajir and Taxon and Visser 3. We also have to fight sharks. Sharks? He laughed, and hearing him brought the laughter out of me. We both just stood there and giggled like idiots for a few minutes. It was that laughter you get after something really tense has happened. Relief laughter. We're still alive laughter. Um, by the way, I was going to wait and tell everyone at the same time, Marco said. But I think we have a problem. What problem? It was in the newspaper this morning. Two stories. One is about this guy who was going to be looking for some supposedly lost treasure ship off the coast. The other was the story about some big marine biologist guy who has a ship and is going to be doing some underwater exploration off our coast. Yes? So? So all of a sudden, our nearby ocean seems to be very interesting to people. Treasure hunters and an underwater exploration? At the same time? Controllers? He nodded. I think so. I think it's all a cover story to explain why two ships will be out there with lots of divers in the water. I think it's them, alright. And I think they're looking for the same thing you're looking for. I felt weak. The image the whale had given me surfaced in my mind. And the faint cry in my dreams. The cry for help. I... I can't ask anyone to go out there again, I whispered. This time we might not be so lucky. 
Marco looked uncomfortable. Cassie, you know how I feel about all of this. I think we have to take care of ourselves first. And our own families. He glanced back at his apartment door. On the other hand, I guess after what the Andalite did for us, I wouldn't feel like much of a human being if I didn't try to save whoever is out there. I don't know who's out there, I said. I don't even know if it's real. But you think it's an Andalite? I think it is. But Marco, I don't know. If someone gets hurt, killed, just because I have these dreams, I can't make that kind of decision. Yes, but can you decide to do nothing? That's a decision too. I had to smile. Marco, you know, for a guy who's always joking around and being annoying, you're awfully smart. Yeah, I know, but don't tell anyone. It would destroy my image. I started to walk away. You know what was strange about yesterday? Marco said. What? The sharks. They were so totally deadly. I mean, we worry about hork and Taxons and Visser 3. You kind of forget that right here on little old planet Earth, there are creatures just as tough and dangerous. It would be funny if it wasn't some alien that ended up getting us, but some normal Earth creature. I didn't think it was very funny at all. Marco grinned at my stone face. Okay, not funny, haha. More like funny weird. Hey, 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 Phantomorphs, we are back. Another episode of Audiomorphs, the auditory Animorphs experience. You've just experienced that. With me, your host and narrator, Daniel. I'm back from Colorado. I had a really nice vacation. Thank you for asking. I bought this cool stone turtle. It's a turtle made of stone. I like him a lot. He's right here on my desk while I'm recording this. If you liked what you heard, you can come hear more at audiomorphs.podbean.com. Or you can look us up on iTunes. It's just Audiomorphs. Just type that into the search bar. And while you're over there, you can subscribe and write a review and give us a rating. You can also reach out to me. Send me questions. Send me comments. Tell me about your day. You can do all of those things at audiomorphscast at gmail.com and audiomorphscast.tumblr.com. Thank you for listening, and I will see you next week. My name is Daniel, and I know one day the Andalites will come. Until then, we fight.